hello and welcome to this summer edition of Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara. Man, as you know, the summer edition brings you some of our best commentary, interviews, artists, and songs from the year. And tonight we will hear from Vatican commentator John Allen and Don Stefanowitz will tell us what it was like to grow up with a homosexual father. We also listen to music from Rosanna Reverso and rapper Machete Moses, but we begin with John Allen. What will the Catholic Church be like in a hundred years? Will we have married priests? Will there be a woman pope? Will the pope be based in Rome? There's a new book that explores some trends that might help us predict the future of the church. I spoke to the author of The Future Church, John Allen, earlier this week while he was on a lecture tour in Toronto. So, uh, John Allen, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. It is a great pleasure. So you have this new book, (laughs) the new book, The Future Church, How Ten Trends Are Revolutionizing the Catholic Church. Uh, What was the... uh, I guess the motivation or the inspiration for this book, where does this come from? Well, two things. One is I wanted to intentionally kind of cast this conversation in global terms, because I think in many ways we're all sort of captives of our own circumstances, right? So when we think about the church, we think about the church in Toronto or the church in Birmingham or wherever wherever you happen to be. But we need to remember that there are 1.2 billion Catholics in the world in every nook and cranny of the planet, Mm two-thirds of them now living in the global south. It's important to think about that. Um, And so part of it was to provide that global frame. The other thing was uh, that, you know, as a a journalist who covers the Vatican and the Catholic Church regularly, um, I'm extraordinarily sensitive to the fact that uh, the, the canon of issues that typically figure in media coverage of the Catholic Church is pretty narrow. You know, I mean, if you and I walked out in the street right now, and, and just stop 10 people at random and ask them, what are the issues facing the Catholic Church? We'd probably get the same set of stuff, right? Gay marriage, the sex abuse crisis, abortion, women. And those right. are all extraordinarily important issues, obviously, and well worth chewing over. But we also know that, you know, there's a hell of a lot more going on in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the, the other agenda with this book, I guess, uh, was to sort of flush out the story. In other words, to tell the untold story of what's happening okay. in the Catholic Church all over the world. Okay, because I think that sometimes people might look, you talk about trends, and people might, might read that and think that you're actually talking about change or predicting change, but that's not what you're, that's not what you're doing. Listen, if you want to know my track record as a prognosticator, bear in mind that in 1999, I published a book predicting that Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger would never become Pope. And of course, today he sits on the throne of Peter as Pope Benedict XVI. So I ain't in the future prediction business. My, my argument, well, the reason I call this the future church, is that because trying to think about what's sort of around the corner doesn't so much tell us anything about the future, it tells us something about the present. I mean, in other words, it invites us to sort through the kind of normal stuff, the, the, the isolated events and random news headlines that are always washing across our radar screens, and try to get our hands around those forces that are truly most fundamental uh, in terms of carrying Catholicism into the future. That's what I was trying to do in the book. Now, just a note for anyone joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. We're speaking with Vatican expert and author John Allen. He has a new book called The Future Church, How Ten Trends Are Revolutionizing the Catholic Church. Now, can you give us an example of, of, of some of these trends? What, what are we looking at? 
Sure. Well, one of them is what I call uh, a world church, and what I mean by that is a transition from a Catholicism that was concentrated primarily in Europe and North America to a Catholicism that is truly global. I mean, if you run the numbers today, there are 1.2 billion Catholics on the planet. Two-thirds of them live in the Southern Hemisphere, mm -hmm. Africa, Asia, Latin America. Mm -hmm. By mid-century, that's going to be three-quarters. In other words, three out of every four are Catholic men, women, and children alive will live in the Southern Hemisphere. So that in the 21st century, places like Manila and Nairobi and Jakarta will become what Paris and Louvain and Milan were in the 15th and 16th centuries. In other words, the primary centers of new theological imagination, mm -hmm. new pastoral energy, new political leadership. Uh, I think it's really interesting to try to think through what all that means. Okay, so can we, can we do that? But, uh, just play with me here. So if you're saying that it's not helping us predict change, but it can because if the center of the church becomes Jakarta or Nigeria or somewhere, does that mean that we will have an African pope or an Arab pope? I mean, why not? Well, I mean, first of all, we already have had African popes. I mean, yes, in the early centuries of the church, there I, were popes I, I, in North Africa. But I bet, sure. Absolutely. Look, uh, you know, in terms of the papacy, if the question is, will we one day have a third, quote-unquote, third world yeah. pope? Oh, of course we will. Um, I actually think that the election of John Paul II in 1978, you know, the, the first non-Italian in centuries, shattered the, the, not only the Italian monopoly in the papacy, but I think it shattered the era in which geography was at all relevant. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the, in the conclave of April 2005, uh, the cardinals didn't elect Joseph Ratzinger because he was German. I mean, in a sense, they almost elected him in spite of the fact <laughs> that he was German. I mean, in the abstract, if you ask them, would you prefer a European or an African or a Latin American? Many of them would have said the African or Latin American. Yeah. But the point is, they weren't looking at what passport the guy held. You know, they were looking for the best man for the job. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if there is a, an, a sort of an equivalent of Joseph Ratzinger, not in the sense that anyone can be exactly him, but who would possess the same cocktail yeah. of qualities, uh, who happens to come from Africa or Latin America or Asia, absolutely yes. That guy automatically, I, I think, would become a serious candidate to be pope. Well, and that's, as the, the shift moves to those churches in the south, maybe that means that there will be the opportunity for people in those countries to become like uh, Joseph Ratzinger. Why do you say that the trends are revolutionizing the church? Do we really see it as a revolution? Well, I mean, I think the story of Catholicism always is the kind of balance between continuity and change. So on the one hand, the church is semper idem, you know, always the same. I mean, in other words, there are certain core values, core teachings that are non-negotiable and that are constant. On the other hand, the church is also always being revolutionized. Mm -hmm. You know, the Council of Trent. Uh, in the 16th century, revolutionized the Catholic Church. The Second Vatican Council in the mid-60s revolutionized the Church. The papacy of John Paul II, I mean, wouldn't you agree with me that those Absolutely. were all revolutionary yeah, moments? Yeah, yeah. And so there's nothing counterintuitive about the notion that there are things going on today that are also laying the groundwork for a future revolution. It, it, do you think that part of the maybe problem is not the right word, but part of the problem is that people are always thinking about here and now and their own life, and they're not thinking of generations or 100 years from now. So when we think of, oh, this is the worst thing that's going to happen to the church is the sex abuse scandal or something, but it's not. I mean, the church has been rocked by scandals, as you said, since the beginning of time. So do we need to step back and look at, at the larger picture um, of the church when, we, when we're making those sort of judgments? Well, look, I mean, I don't want to soft sell the gravity of the sexual abuse crisis. I mean, it has been a massive blow to the internal life of the church, and it is also 
badly compromise the moral authority of the Catholic Church in the public square. Uh, so by no means do I want to minimize how important it is. But what I would tell you is this. If you took one of those Rand McNally wall charts of world history, you know how in grade school yeah. they used to sell these things to yeah. you? If you put it up on a wall, okay, if you took 2,000 years of church history, and you put a blindfold on and randomly threw a dart, no matter where it landed, whether it was the 9th or 19th century, there would be crisis and controversy and disaster. Yeah. In other words, there would be a case for despair in that moment, and there would also be a case for hope. And I think that's also the story of the early 21st century. I mean, I if you want to look for the case for despair for Catholicism now, it is in some ways depressingly easy to make. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, uh, you know, if you take the blinders off and take a clear-eyed look around, there are also a thousand and one points of light out there um, that can assemble a really powerful case for hope. Mm -hmm. So is that your hope for the book, that, that the people will see these trends and see that it's pointing us towards hope? Well, look, um, Pedro, in the first place, uh, what my hope for the book is that I got the story right. Okay. I mean, I hope in each one of these ten trends that I describe, not only am I right that this is an important trend, but I hope the way I presented it is accurate and helpful. Um, but, I mean, if you're asking, having done all of that, I mean, would I like to believe that this, po that this book also kind of fuels a sense of hopefulness about the future prospects of Catholicism? Of course I would. Because, uh, you know, I'll tell you, taking off my journalist hat and putting on my, Catholic, my, my Catholic hat, mm -hmm. okay, you know, I am profoundly convinced that there is an enormous reservoir of positive energy and new vision and creativity uh, afoot in the church these days. And I wish sometimes that more people were able to see it. Thank you very much for sharing your ideas with us. That was Vatican expert and author John Allen. I spoke to him earlier this week. His book, The Future Church, How Ten Trends Are Revolutionizing the Catholic Church, can be purchased at any bookstore. You can also read John Allen's blog at the National Catholic Reporter website. And we'll put that link. Um, on our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And you can write to us to tell us your opinions on this topic. What do you think the church will look like a hundred years from now? Write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Here now is Rosanna Reverso with He's the One.
Listening to Salt and Light Radio, heard on the Catholic Channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org/radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and that was Rosanna Reverso with "He's the One" from her album "Let There Be Peace." Now, remember the priests, the Irish singing priests? Well, last time they were in Canada, they sang in Toronto, and with them sang a beautiful soprano with a powerful voice. Turns out that her name is Rosanna Reverso, and she's Catholic. And she's not just in it to make money. She believes that it is her duty to use her talents for the greater good. She donates her time and musical abilities for various charitable events. Right now, for example, she's in the middle of her annual Peace Concert Tour. And this is her way of spreading the Christian faith and raising funds for local churches and charities. And Rosanna Reverso joins me now on the phone. Welcome to Salt and, Lady, uh, Salt and Light Radio, Rosanna. Hi there, Pedro. Thank you for having me. You no, know, it's great to have you. Um, you've been performing since you were a little, little girl, seven years old or something, right? Yes. So what was it like in your home growing up? Was it like the Von Trapp family singers? <laughs> well, I'm actually the, the youngest of three girls. Okay. And... Um, uh, my, the, the middle, the middle sister, the the middle child, um, was already involved in music, and she's about eight years older than I am. Oh, really? So, um, with that age, with that age uh, difference, as a very, very young girl, I was listening to her. She would play the piano, and so her that was her passion was was playing the piano. So, I was always around around her. You know, I looked up to her, and my father is also someone who really loves the arts. Um, he would always be taking my sisters and I to to plays and to musicals and and even to the opera, which uh-huh. really wasn't our thing as kids. Right. <laughs> okay, so you were singing at church, so obviously you were going to mass every Sunday. Was was your faith life also at at home? Was it a rich faith life, or is that something that came later for you? No, I think it was. Uh, it, it did come very early on. I went to Catholic school as well, mm-hmm. and uh, my my parents were both very. Um, very devout, faith, uh, faithful Christians, faithful Catholics. My father, for as long as I can remember, has been uh, a reader at church and uh-huh. a Eucharistic minister um, and volunteers a lot of his time um, to various charities uh, and, and church activities, uh, right. the Night of Columbus as well. Oh, yeah. And my mother is just someone who um, really inspired me to turn to prayer she saw you know she's not maybe as active in the church as my father is Mm -hmm. but um you know she's the the person that is always every friday at a novena at a various church in in our city and um you know whenever 
whenever what both good times or bad times uh, her first i guess place that she yeah, turns she to is, is prayer and so prayer. i learned that both definitely from my parents right um and i think if anything i got that at an early age and it was like i said at uh, similar to to my steering away from classical music it was the, the years of adolescence and and going into university where i maybe you know steered off the path a bit mm-hmm. and um you know, although I, I always loved God and I always, you know, believed in Jesus and and I, I perhaps wasn't as um, de- devoted to to prayer and to, you know, going to Sunday Mass regularly while I was, you know, um, in university and uh-huh. focusing more on my studies. Right. Now, anyone joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm your host, Pedro. We're speaking with our featured artist of the week, Rosanna Reverso. Uh, I just want to quickly ask you a little bit about your music, because you don't just sing, you know, Schubert's Ave Maria. You, you also do contemporary stuff, and you write your own music. So, And we've heard two of your songs already. Um, he's the one. He's Can the you one t- and Fly On. And I Fly believe. On. Can you tell us a little bit about those songs? Yes. Um, well, He's the One is a song that I, I wrote really as a, as a response to, to studying the Gospel of John. Um, mm. The past uh, few years have been a, an emotional and spiritual journey for me. Back in, in 2004, my mother was, was diagnosed with, with cancer, and it was pretty um, stressful. Mm-hmm. And it was a time in my life where... I um, was confused about uh, the path that I, you know, should take in terms of my career choices thus far, and mm-hmm. and so um, that was really the point at which I felt I um, turned back, really turned back to God. Whereas prior to that, I was, um, you know, looking to myself and my own powers to, to make things happen or to get answered, my own reasoning instead of just mm-hmm. praying for God to to guide me. And so um, it was during that time that I really just felt he was calling me to just go back to the Word, go back to my, my, my faith. And so I started with, with the Gospel of John. And right. when I was reading, um, in particular, chapter 4, um, or 14, rather, when, when, when Jesus is speaking to the disciples um, at the time of the Last Supper, yeah. um, and he, you know, the words, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and, and the message of peace, and that how as Christians, um, you know, the way that we show the world that we are Christians is, is by maintaining a peaceful heart in the midst of our trials and tribulations, because Jesus, that's why Jesus came. Jesus overcame the world, so we could have that peace. And he right. doesn't offer the type of peace that the world offers. You know, when everything's going your way in the world, you can be peaceful. Well, anybody can feel like that when everybody's, you know, Absolutely. when everything's going their way. Yeah. But Jesus really teaches us, I, I believe, especially in that passage, um, that, that he's the way to peace. And, and if we believe in him and that we, you know, um, follow follow him uh, and recognize that he made the sacrifice for us, you know, we will feel the peace. And so mm-hmm. that's where the inspiration by He's the One came from. Yeah, we're, and just, Rosanna, we're running out of time, but I, I don't want to leave you without talking about the tour, the, the, the peace tour. Um, th- this is an annual concert tour that you've been doing? I well, the intention is for it to be annual. Okay. This is the first okay, so this year is the that first we started it. Okay. So um, we're hoping that we can make this an annual tour, correct? And, yeah. And where does the inspiration behind the, the the tour come from? I mean, you've talked already a little bit about you know being Christians and how that inspires us to to be peaceful. Is that sort of the same motivation? Yes, and I think, like I was saying to you uh, at the time of of when I was dealing with. Um, 
the situation with my mom's illness um, and wanting to wanting uh, questioning my own purpose in life. That's when I really felt the call, the call from God to to use my musical talents um, to to give Him glory and and to and to make a difference. And and the way to do that was to help to help spread the Christian faith. Um, you know, in today's society, it seems that um, there's a lot of different movements, like the I Am movement, where you could, you know there is no God and you, God is yourself or you right. believe that you can make all the difference without without God. And I just wanted to, to be um, someone to help um, help spread the Christian faith because that's where I in, in, in my life has fa- have found the most happiness and peace is, is in Jesus and in, in my faith. Right. So, so that was really the call behind it. And I think at the same time, we've made all of these concerts charitable. Uh-huh. So I think if we can spread the Christian faith, but at the same time also raise funds for the needy and for the for the disadvantaged, then we're also being an example of what God calls us to be, which is loving our neighbors. And so, absolutely, um, I think that really was you know, the the inspir- inspiration yes. and the passion behind it. So there's one more concert date that's next Saturday, October eighth. Correct. It's Sorry, next Friday. Friday, Friday October the eighth. <laughs> Friday, thank you. Friday, October eighth in Toronto at St. Paul's Basilica. Correct. At what time? And it's at 8 p.m., so the doors will open at 7, but the show will start at 8. Okay. And we also have some surprise guest performers uh, at that show that have not been part of the previous um, Peace Concerts. So um, it'd be great to have people come out and, and take a look. Excellent. No, and I, I will be there. Salt and Light Television will be there, and I highly recommend it. I mean, you've already heard some of Rosanna's music. So if you like what you're hearing and you are in the Toronto area, come out uh, at 8 p.m., come before 8 p.m. on October 8th, Friday, to St. Paul's Basilica to listen to this concert and support the charities that Rosanna is supporting and and enjoy an evening of of faith-filled music. Rosanna, that's all the time we have. No problem. Um, Thank you very much for having me. Not a problem. and, uh, And I'll see you next Friday. Great. Thanks, Pedro. Okay. Rosanna Reverso, our featured artist of the week. You can get more information about Rosanna and how to purchase her CD, actually, at her website, rosannareverso.com. That's Rosanna with two N's, R-O-S-A-N-N-A, Reverso, R-I-V-E-R-S-O.com. But we'll also put that link on our website as well, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Here now is Rosanna with her song, Waiting. Traces Cold Lonely places Shadows That reach beyond The drifting Snow Melt in the sorrow For every tomorrow
If you're an adult who grew up in a homosexual, bisexual, or transsexual household, you may feel that you can't speak about your experiences. Now, Don Stefanovic offers a place where these conversations can happen, not necessarily a physical place, but a place. Her new book, Out From Under, details her experiences growing up with a homosexual father. And Don Stefanovic joins us now on the phone. Welcome, Don, to Salt and Light Radio. Hadrell, thank you very much. Um, um, quickly, if you can tell us what it was like growing up for you. Well, it was challenging, very confusing, because, yes, I knew my biological father, and I knew my biological mother, but my father, beginning at 10 months old, when I was 10 months old, he brought in one of his partners to live in our home, among other boarders. From that point on, I was taken with my father and his friends into... Uh, really the developing subcultures that was it was just a very different kind of environment to grow up in um at uh, eight my father had actually taken me to downtown toronto to see the the brand new um downtown area that had opened up for uh those involved in the glbt movement it was not political it was very artsy fashion centered right. and um, you know, it had a very interesting flair artistically, and, you know, there seemed to be a, a lot of uh, people that my father knew. Mm -hmm. He also had uh, different partners in his life, and uh, so I had a, had a different kind of upbringing maybe than what you would consider uh, to be traditional. Where was your mother? My mother was ill and very submissive. Uh, she was subservient, really, to, to my father. She actually, we would go together or separately to the various places my father usually attended. As an example, there's a, a park called Taylor Creek Park, yeah. and we would go bike riding there. It's also a cruising park, which is known very well to gay men in, in the Toronto area. We'd also go to Hanlon's Point, which was right. a clothing optional beach, which is just off Central Island, and you could actually bike ride or walk if you like to walk a few kilometers down to the end of the island there. Um, and he, 
just a very it was a very different kind of upbringing for me culturally and my mother actually um, kind of mixed with with some interesting female friends during my teen years right. so I had a a, a background that was again not traditional right now but this was would have been normal for you because that's where you were growing up so what were you feeling thinking through let's say when you were eight years old and your father took you downtown to this place for the first time well i was excited like he was i, I remember leaning back with my uh, head up against the back seat looking out the back window yeah at all the apartment buildings first of all with their bright lights because it would usually be evening time and the lights in the office buildings all had their lights on mm -hmm. and he would take me right downtown we would actually walk um along st charles and uh some of the core area streets in the area mm -hmm. where uh, there would be different men standing on the street corners and, and talking and trying to link up with, with someone else. And again, it's, um, I, it confused me because where other people had a mother and a father, I had a situation where my father had various partners and uh, there were always different men in our home. So I had, uh, I felt like I was competing for my father's attention and his uh, time and affections. I, I struggled really with my own sexuality because my, my father presented to me this understanding of a very broad understanding of sexuality and mm -hmm. gender identity. Mm -hmm. And uh, his, he was just enthralled with the female impersonator Craig Russell who performed in gay bars in Toronto but also throughout the states like New York and major cities there in the states and over in europe right uh and he was um he died of an uh, aids related stroke at age 42 my father uh died of aids when he was 51 in 91. Mm -hmm. now um just a note for anyone joining the program at this time you're listening to salt and light radio my name is pedro and we're speaking to don uh, with don stefanovich uh, who grew up with a uh, same gender attracted father um don you describe in your book that, I mean, there were other issues. You haven't really <laughs> spoken very much about it right now, but in terms of uh, drugs and alcohol and this and that, why it, 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 clearly it, it was a troubled childhood, but is it because your father was homosexual or is it because just because he was a troubled man? Well, if you, if you look at the research, and that's something that I did not have my hands on growing up, I witnessed firsthand... Uh, that there were two suicides by the time I was nine years old, that my father, you know, there were these two friends he had within weeks of each other committing suicide. Mm -hmm. And there was also drugs and alcohol involved in his relationships. We had in our home, maybe most homes would have a liquor cupboard or whatever, but we had one of those and different liquor and so forth that would be in, well stocked in our, our corner cabinet. Uh, but that was part of my father's relationships. There was a lot of partying late night cruising, uh, traveling to different locales throughout North America. It wasn't just in Toronto downtown and Montreal mm -hmm. and, and Vancouver. He traveled throughout, uh, again, major cosmopolitan centers throughout the U.S. and into the islands. Now, is it possible, and again, um, uh, that uh, a person growing up in a household with uh, uh, homosexual parents where, where the experience is different, that the parents are not cruising, the parents are... Uh, not involved in, in uh, substance abuse, uh, do not have multiple partners. Would you say that, that there's still a concern with uh, a relationship like that? I have concern. I don't want to uh, put anyone in a box and say they will have all of these right. commonalities. But yes. they, there's definitely a much higher risk 
just looking at the research Mm -hmm. and the fact that I've been in touch with a number of adult children, and we share these things in common where it doesn't matter whether it was a lesbian parent or a gay parent, uh, our parent often had transient relationships. Mm -hmm. And again, we don't necessarily have a full explanation why that is so when we're growing up in that. There's... there often is um, various health issues, mental health issues and physical health issues that our parents will deal with mm-hmm. that may not be um, always something you'd find normally happening in, in other, um, in a more traditional type marriage situation between right. a man and a woman. Right. Um, like the lesbian mothers, a number of uh, the adult children that have contacted me, their mothers have struggled with depression. Mm-hmm. There's have been often some reproductive organ cancers, breast cancer, brain cancer, uh, some other issues as well, but it, alcoholism. Right. Uh, you know, it's, again, it's not every case. Yes. But these are it's just a higher risk lifestyle, and that maybe sounds very politically incorrect, but when you're an adult child and you get together yes. with other children, you, you share commonality. Yeah. Now, so people who are uh, uh, proponents of same-sex marriage, what do you tell them? What are your concerns with that? Well, I really believe that the Church's teachings on sexuality and gender complementarity are very important, that the institution of marriage as a, a state that God has ordained is a natural state for the purposes of bringing together a man and a woman so that, uh, there, again, there can be children that will, will come through this union. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful gift that God has given us. Mm-hmm. When children grow up without one of their biological parents there can be issues with uh, we often find among fatherless boys juvenile delinquency drug and alcohol uh, issues suicidal tendencies early sexual experimentation they often uh, struggle with uh, not just academically but with employment and there's a number of issues we know fatherlessness is is not good Mm -hmm. for girls that grow up without a mother they t- tend to be more masculinized in mm. their uh, appearance, in their mannerisms, and, uh, you know, there's a reason why we need both genders. Right. Now, Dawn, that's all the time we have, but uh, it's been really good. I, I hope that, again, I always feel when I speak to people that we didn't have enough time, but it, but it's, it, it may be enough to get people thinking and talking about this. Um, your new book, I don't know, it's not that new, but Out From Under, is available through your website, and I guess it's available on any at any bookstore if people are interested in they finding it. They can order it through the bookstores. So they can order it through the bookstore, or, I, again, I'm going to direct people to your website. It's Don Stefanowicz, and I'll spell it S-T, so it's Don, D-A-W-N-S-T-E-F-A-N-O-W-I-C-Z.com, but we're going to put a link to that website on our website as well, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. So if people don't have to worry about, you know, rushing to find a pen. So, Don, thank you so much for uh, joining us today um, and for sharing a little bit about, it, about your experiences with us. Pedro, thank you very much. You're very welcome. And God welcome. bless. So, again, da- Don Stefanowicz is the author of Out From Under. It's a book about her experiences growing up with a same-gender attracted father. You can find out more about Don and purchase her book at her website, donstefanowicz.com. And uh, we're, we're going to put a link to that website on our uh, on our site, saltonlighttv.org slash radio. You can also Google Dawn, D-A-W-N, and out from under, and you'll, you'll find it. There's also a phone number if you have a pen, 877-421-7323. It's a toll-free number, 877-421-7323, if you'd like to uh, 
find out more and how to purchase the book. And you can write to us and tell us about your opinions on this topic. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Tell us uh, what you think. Write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org. here now is our featured artist of the week machete moses with a song that he wrote to his daughter an imaginary daughter before she is born the song is called this song is for my unborn daughter i want her to know her daddy loved her before she was even born just like her heavenly father years from now she will hear this song and know that it's true baby i love you And the park 
the same way on the day that we part There's a new man in your life and you captured his heart I don't really blame him cause you're pretty and you're smart Mrs. Universe, your beauty's really off the charts You're dancing now with daddy and I'm holding you real close I got tears in my eyes and I got boogers in my nose And that's about the time that she looked into my eyes And sang a little song with some words that were You're listening to Salt and Light Radio, heard on the Catholic Channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And that was just Machete Moses with Sunshine from his album Illumination. Now, about eight years ago, I met a young man, Art Caballero, Arturo Caballero, who was traveling with and helping out uh, another Catholic singer-songwriter, Sal Solo. Um, so we met this kid. He's a good kid. And I never thought more about it. Until this year, I'm in Calgary for the Unity Awards, and there's this guy, a rap artist by the name of Machete Moses. And it's art. <laughs> and his stuff is really good. And you know, so much has gone by in the last eight years. He's now in ministry. He's studied counseling and theology. He goes to youth conferences. And today, he's on Salt and Light Radio. So welcome to Salt and Light Radio, Machete Moses. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, uh, I don't know if I should call you Art or Machete. I think I'm going to call you Art, just because I can say that I knew you before. Um, that, that sounds good. That's fine. But everybody wants to know what's up with the name. So, Machete Moses, what is that, what, what's that all about? Well, uh, when I decided to, you know, start doing rap full-time, every rapper needs a cool rap name. So, <laughs> I came up with a bunch of uh, corny names, and it just never seemed to stick. So, I decided to pray about it because I started noticing a pattern in the Bible where every time, you know, one of the people that God uses um, in a big way has like an encounter with God, a lot of times God will change their name. You will no longer be called this, you will be called that. And he did it with a few people in the Bible, so I'm like, well, that'll be easy. Instead of picking out a name, how about I have God pick me out a name? So <laughs> okay. I asked God to give me a name, um, and one day, you know, about a week later after my prayer, I was walking out of a movie theater, and it just hit me like nobody's business. It was just, bam, Machete Moses right there in my head. I, there was no doubt. I just felt like this, like, excitement, and I just knew that that was my name. So then I started introducing myself as that, and people wanted to know. So I was thinking, well, why exactly, if God gave me this name, why did he give it to me? You know, he gave, um, you know... Uh, called Peter the Rock because, you know, on this church he was going to build it, so why did yeah. he call me Machete? And I think a machete is a tool that you use in jungles to cut down branches, to cut down trees, grass, and just clear a path. It's a tool to clear a path. So right. that's what the machete is, you know. With the music, uh, I touched on a lot, a lot of different topics that need to be addressed that sometimes... Um, the church is afraid to talk about or whatever. Yeah, um, I do address them, and I cut down um, 
stuff from a biblical point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the machete is about. And the Moses is, um, you know, God used Moses um, in, uh, in a very big way to help deliver people out of um, slavery and stuff. And hopefully with my music, um, you know, it can open up some people's eyes and stuff. Right, also, Moses okay. wasn't the most perfect guy in the world, and neither am I. So, right, right. But God is still willing to use me and anybody else that says yes. Right. Okay, but you spell machete differently than, you know, it's not machete, the tool. So why did you do you spell it with S-H-E-T-I, machete? Uh, unfortunately, there's not a cool story behind that whatsoever. <laughs> I just didn't know how to spell it. So when the first time I used that name and they wanted uh, me to design the flyer, I spelled the M-A-S-H. Oh, okay, that's good. I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> Machete. Okay, all right. So um, now I I, uh, I love the fact, and in fact, I should maybe tell our listeners that it was you who recognized me. I, I looked at you when I saw you in Calgary, and I thought, this guy looks familiar, but Machete Moses, I've never heard of um, And so when we realized that it was through Sal Solo that I had met you like eight years ago, you must have been quite young. I, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't know how old you are now, but I, I would think that you were in your teens when that was. Yeah, um, I think I was probably 18 years old. Yeah, so you're um, quite young, and you, but you were following around, not, I don't know if you were following him around, but you were like working and uh, helping out Sal Solo. When did you get involved? Like, why, why is an 18-year-old helping out a Catholic music guy? Like, where did, when did that happen in your life? Well, uh, I started getting involved in my church when I was um, about 17 years old, and somebody uh, that went to that church happened to know Sal Solo. Okay. And Sal Solo at the at the time was making a promotional video for his ministry, so he had a bunch of uh, different kids from different youth groups and the diocese come out to this promotional video thing. So um, uh, I met him, and he... He was real friendly, so we exchanged emails, and and uh, I was running a youth group at the time, so he was still living in the in, in England, so he would come like right. once a month for a concert and stuff. So whenever he was in Chicago, I'd ask him to come to my youth group and maybe talk or maybe right. give me some advice and stuff. So we started developing a, a friendship that way through email. And then I was a senior in high school. I was about to graduate. I didn't really think I wanted to go to college. Yet. I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. Um, and I just asked him, hey, um, I kind of want to do something. I don't know what I want to do, but I want to do something like what you're doing, huh. where you're ministering to young people and stuff. Is there any... Basically, I asked him to mentor me, and he said, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, um, as soon as I graduated, I had moved out. My parents moved to Florida and stuff, and I tra- started traveling with him all over the states and then after that um i got a passport and i started traveling to him with him with to him other countries like india what a, and, what a great opportunity i mean you know it's funny we've never had sal on the program but sal solo is uh, what a great opportunity to have that that kind of mentorship um just to know for anyone that might be tuning in at this time you're listening to salt and light radio i'm i'm pedro and we're speaking with our our, our featured artist this week is machete moses uh, so uh, clearly, y- y- you had, there was a big impact in your life when you were still young. You were involved in your youth group. So, would you say that that's why you feel a special connection to working with uh, that age group, working with youth, or would you say that you mu- that you don't have that focus of working with youth? No, I definitely, definitely like working with youth. I mean, if I wouldn't have, if somebody, if God hadn't have used 
somebody um, in my life when I was young to have a big impact on me. I don't know where I would have wound up. I mean, I could have, I was, I could wind up like a junkie. I could wind up like a like a drug addict somewhere. Um, and with my history and my past and upbringing, I could have very easily ended up like that. So, um, so I, I definitely think reaching young people is 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 important, and it's definitely my calling because so and the the, the choices they're making, like in high school and stuff, are definitely gonna. Um, influence the rest of their life so the music i mean the fact that it's rap music or, or hip-hop um it's very specific i mean obviously that's the music that 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 speaks to you but yeah. do you think that that's the best way to reach that that age group or a particular that particular population yeah um that i don't really see um yeah I'm, i don't really do rap as a tool i mean i think it's just convenient that i'm young and that's the music that i listen to so that's the music right. that i i do so i'm not really it's just the music i love when i'm when i'm when i'm angry i need to vent or something i'm gonna go put on headphones and i'm gonna start writing lyrics to like a new beat that i have you know that's how i vent so it's just very very natural for me yeah uh, I'd, be, i'd be rapping whether i was doing it in front of people or not i'd be rapping in my room so it's just very easy yeah the way i see it is if you want god to use you really use you just use your gift for Be yourself, him and yeah. that's that's all it is it's just the gift god gave me yeah so i'm giving it back now uh can i just say because i think the people who maybe are not used to listening to hip-hop or rap might have an idea of what that's what that sounds like but you're i love your your style and your sound that song that we just heard sunshine i love that yeah. because i i would it, it's more poetry to me almost spoken word than rap uh, so um, I, I I love that. I think I think you are touching on something. Um, most people, when I'm actually a little embarrassed to tell people, "What do you do?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm a Christian rapper." Because right away, there's so much associations with yeah. with rap music, and then Christian rap, like, what? How does that even work? Um, yeah. And then not just that, um, the actual sound of the music. Um, my music actually doesn't sound very urban. It's it actually sounds like more like music um yeah you know, there's, there's there's orchestras in it there's choruses yeah there's bluesy. singing yeah. there's real instruments um and it can have a rock element it can have i mean it's not your i have a lot a lot of people at every concert older people even grandmas come up to me and be like i don't like rap music but i really like your stuff and the one thing that i always get is i can understand all your lyrics Yeah. Which is something that I definitely, definitely have practiced and practiced uh, uh, throughout the years to make sure that everybody yeah. understands every word. Because a lot of times you go to a rap concert, and unless you own the CD and know the music, yeah. you will not understand a single word they're saying. Exactly, exactly. And that's important. Listen, you have two albums, I Am Art and Illumination, which is the, the album uh, of the songs that we're listening to. Do any, anything anything coming down the pipes for you? You're working on anything new? Um. Well, I'm always working on new stuff. I'm always uh, recording songs that will hopefully, but when it's time to release the next album, um, you know, they'll be good enough to make it on there. I usually write, I write a lot of songs and I only pick the best, best, best ones. Right, of course. The album. Of course. But uh, yeah, this, this last project um, was done all in 10 months and 
Nice. Um, it just came out, so I, I think I'm going to take a little break from thinking <laughs> too hard about the feature. This album's got a lot of life in it. Yeah, so. no, it's good, and I, I know you, you worked on the, the video for Revelation Song, so maybe we can have a couple more videos. That would be great. Listen, if yeah. you, when, you, when you have the next album, make sure you let us know, and we'll have you back on the show. Or if you're ever back in Canada, let us know, and we can have you back on the show. Okay, Art? Awesome. Yeah, it thank you. It was great having you, great talking to you, and uh, great uh, reconnecting with you again in Calgary. Awesome. You too. So Machete Moses, our featured artist of the week. You can check him out and purchase his music at machetemoses.com. Just remember the spelling M-A-S-H-E-T-I Moses, machetemoses.com. But we'll put that link up on our webpage as well, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Here now is Machete Moses with his song, Revelation Song, from the same album, Illumination. And the beautiful female voice singing the refrain is Natalie Ibnick. it for this week's summer edition of salt and light radio remember that you can stream or podcast this show at salt slash radio you can also send us emails to radio at salt i'll talk to you next week i'm pedro guevara man and this has been the summer edition of salt and light radio Those who are still just a thought in this
mind Heaven's guest list does exist, so make sure that you sign I'm the dotted line, there is a deadline So grab the bloodline and renew your mind